Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles the society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. Bonjour, Mr. Hayden Roth. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I don't know if anyone else knew out there, but we are French. Uh, my name is Pedro. Pedro, is that that's Spanish? That was my best. That was awful. I mean, <laughs> I was like, my name is, and I was like, I don't know any French names. I should have said Pierre. Pierre. Patrick. Pierre. Patrick. 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 Pierre. Pierre. You're just naming French footballers. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> Oh dear! Every single time, you know what the funny thing is, guys. That every single time we part, start these podcasts, we literally have no idea how to start them. Every time we're like three, two, one, I'm like, I don't, we don't even have a start. How do we start? We we just go, don't we? We just we just roll with it. The um, I that's something I. There's one thing that I really, really, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna complete it. Like even if it's not full. Even if I'm not completely fluent, I've got to learn another language. It's one of the things on my like bucket list that I have to do. I can't go my whole life just being English. Like Christ, it's just yeah, being it's, English. Um, I mean, you're always going to be English. You could just become uh, multilingual or bilingual, isn't it? Bilingual. Oh my oh, god, what's pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, sure I just I, I, wrong, I've I've got to learn another language. Got to. It's good. I think we're one. We one of the like laziest countries or something out there it's, some, it's something like that like we are as a country well it's, it's, it's because like every so when you go to um if you think about it, when you like we pretty much everyone accommodates for us around the world so even any any the majority of countries that we go to like we're accommodated for and in this is the guy I, th- I think I spoke about I can't remember if I spoke about this on an actual podcast or I spoke about on one of our coaching calls but the taxi driver in Bali was telling us that you know it's like mandatory they don't have a choice they have to learn English like they they literally go through their whole school life learning English it's it's not like you have a choice from doing it and I think that's I think that's the case of quite a lot of countries like even in Europe um but just not in the UK like we're just yeah so we're just lazy. We just don't want to. I mean, half of the uh, no, I was going to absolutely slate half the UK, include myself included, that we can't even speak English anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, the, the, yeah, the rest of the world is very good, aren't they? They're very um, welcoming. Like a lot of places you go to, and most of them can speak English or speak enough to get by to help you with your order or whatever you're purchasing at restaurants, bars, wherever you might go. These are the shops, whereas. I feel like here, like no one knows a bit of French to help someone out. Everyone just kind of expects everyone else to know English, um, which yeah, which yeah. I think isn't isn't it isn't right. Like we should all kind of maybe have a little bit of a uh, a language knowledge to help people out. I did, when I was snowboarding regularly, I I actually did quite well. Like I, I learned some of the core fundamentals. Like I needed like l'addition or s'il vous plaît. What was the other one? What does that mean? Can I have the bill, please? 
Um, Cafe au lait, coffee with cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple others that I was like, right, I need to know these ones. But then, I, and I'd really, really try. But what always makes me laugh about people in the UK is that we put on this French, French accent when we say it. So it's not like Le Dissier Civil Play. We're like, Le Dissier Civil Play. And it's this awful, fake French. I mean, it's not even a French accent. It's just like this awful pretend accent that we've we kind of make up right like and, could you imagine it, if it, the it, 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 it the worst thing though mate is that uh uh is when people just say english words but with a french accent so it's not even french it's just yeah. like it's like a uh, uh, coffee the, the <laughs> bill like, please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally that it is like, and i've done it i've literally done it before oh, i always do I've it yeah it, I've literally said it. I've literally said an English word and I've just put on a French accent. Like it's the accent that's the barrier. Like, are the, the accent is the issue here. No, it's not. It's that they're speaking a totally different bloody language. That's the that's the issue as to why I can't understand it because I don't understand the language. Not uh, They don't understand our language. It's not that they don't understand my accent. So I need to put a French accent on for Pierre to then understand me. It's that I need to learn how to speak his language and that will probably help the situation better. Yeah, and you never hear foreigners do what we do as well like you never hear them say like in a uk in, in, try and imitate like a uk accent like could i have the bill please sir no one yeah. ever does that can it's... you imagine if they did it as it if they <laughs> it'd be so funny <laughs> <laughs> they spoke french but they did it with like a posh accent Je oh, ne that would... le pas. <laughs> that i don't was, know uh... any french by the way that was my fake french accent it always makes me laugh as well like in so I'm, I always uh, take the piss out of my girlfriend for doing this. Like when we're trying to get like the waiter's attention because we want to pay the bill and, and and go instead of like just waiting until like someone comes up. Like we start doing like these hand movements and like yeah, so she, always, she always does that. And I'm like, I'm like no, <laughs> no one writes a bill anymore anyway. Everyone's Everyone's using the card machine. So really what we want to be is like a phone. <laughs> but I sometimes even like, um, like mouth it. So I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if he can't hear me, I'm hoping that he reads my lips. And I don't, I'm like, bell, bell, bell. Uh, and oh, I'm just, you just like, won't actually say it. It's oh, the stuff we do. And you're like, what? That's so like, weirdly retarded. But it's just one of the things that we do. <clears throat> It's just that we just do. And the funny thing is you laugh because you've done it before. You've done the writing the bill. You've mouthed it like. I'm, I, I, and yeah, I don't know where we got it from. I don't know who invented it. And I don't know why we think it's a great way to get someone's attention. Um, but there we go. Right. We um, we actually have a bit of a shorter episode today just because we both actually. We, we, we did exactly what we said. We want to stick to the schedule, whether it be 20 minutes or two hours. So yeah. we're on a bit of a tighter schedule today. So we have a Q&A episode where we have people that's asked inside of uh, Ryan's Instagram. So when he does a poll and people want to find out a bit more about certain topics. So the first question that we have had submitted, Ryan, inside of your Instagram today was... Um, how to deal with a spontaneous night out with friends, like a dinner and drinks type of thing. With my calorie budget, I have no idea how to survive this. Yeah. So, and I've said this to quite a few of my clients recently, actually. 
is that I'm like, you've got two choices. You can either account for it or you can't account for it. And what I mean by that is I'm like, look, you can account for it if you want to maintain your current rate of fat loss. And the ways that you can account for it are if it's a spontaneous night out and you've suddenly been sprung on it in the day, then there's probably not much calorie banking you can do up until this point because it's literally going to happen, right? You might have already had breakfast and lunch and suddenly you're going out and you're like, oh no. So maybe you're like, oh, well, that's it. Like I've just got whatever calories left. So when you're going on the night out, again, like lower al- alcohol choices calorie wise are going to help. Obviously, rather than like wine and beer, you could choose like spirits and diet sodas, things like that. Again, you could do some after calorie banking. So rather than obviously banking before, if you can't, you could always reduce your calories for a couple of hundred for two, three days after in regards to then saving up some calories um, in regards to what it is that you spent on that evening. And again, it all comes down to the individual, right? Because some people that would be a fine to do, right? Hayden, I know he'll rack up calories beforehand. He would rack up calories after, no issues, right? And he has a mentality that allows him to ever do that. Whereas there's obviously other people that if they were to reduce their calories after the event, they will feel like they are punishing themselves. They're having to restrict themselves because of that event happen and it will make them less likely to want to do it. So if it's spontaneous, you've got either choices to make with regards to the alcohol consumption at there. And you know, when you're drunk, the typical thing we do is go grab a pizza or a kebab. Try and avoid that, right? Because that's obviously going to be unnecessary calories added on top of the alcohol. But, You've also got the underlying thing, which is what the majority of the time what I do. And it's like, you are probably in, most people listen to this, if you're in a deficit, you're always in at least probably like three, four, if not thousand, if not 5,000 calories across the week. Is going out on a boozy, even doing one or 2,000 calories, going to totally stop your fat loss for that week? No. So it's like, actually, are you better off just going out, enjoying it, and the next day, just getting back to your normal routine, you know, getting up, getting rehydrated, okay, eating your normal food, getting in a workout session, whatever it might be, and just having some nice memories that you made and just ultimately continue with things. Because although on the surface level, we think, oh no, because we've done that, we've messed up. So you haven't messed up, like you will still lose weight. You won't lose as much weight as you did, but you're still gonna lose weight. And there's no celebration or there's no medal or there's no trophy for how much weight you've lost. It's literally like you wanna lose weight. There is no timeline. So ultimately, you can even make adjustments and, and changes on the evening in regards to alcohol consumption. Try to avoid that late night pizza takeaway. If you're feeling good and you know that you've got a good mindset around being able to reduce some calories a few days after to make up for it, awesome, cool, do that. That's not a problem. It's going to help you bank some and pay some back per se. If not, then don't worry about it. Just enjoy the night out, except that maybe you've got had more calories than you needed, but one night out isn't going to ruin your whole week's progress, right? It might mean instead of losing a pound, you'll lose 0.5 pounds or 0.6 this week. Does that matter? No, you've still lost body fat. The main thing is that you've lost body fat and that's all that matters. If you could lose body fat, still go out, enjoy yourself, go out drinking, go out socializing, go out having meals out with friends and family and still lose weight and get to your goals, then I'm pretty sure that you can successfully say that you have found the golden chalice, right? The golden chalice that most people can't find, which is your ability to lose weight, but also not sacrifice and hate your life in the process. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And like something that I, because I, I am someone that is a classic like FOMO. Like I hate missing out on things. Like when these spontaneous pop up, uh, events pop up, like I'm usually the guy that's like, yeah, I've, I've got to do this. Like I just, I hate missing out. I hate it. Yeah. But in the last, like, I'll probably say two months, like I've really, really shifted to understanding what's actually my priority in this moment. And this is kind of now, I guess, a, more of like a little bit of a new lease of life for me where I actually make my decisions based on what 
is my priority in that moment. So nice. for example, like there's uh, a couple situations that have popped up where I'm not going out and I'm not socializing just purely because right now it's more of a priority priority for me to do things from a productivity standpoint, like being productive right now is more of a priority to me than not. And I know based on my own drinking behavior and stuff, when I do go out, I'm far less productive over the next like two or three days. And it then it then starts to eat into the early week. And I'm someone as well that I have to have a good start to the week. If I have a good start to the week, it, it gives me momentum moving forward for the rest of the week. Whereas if I start yeah. the week off on a bad foot, I feel like it spirals and I have that negative mindset of like, oh, fucking hell, this this um, this week started poorly and I've got such a negative mindset around it. So, and this is something I spoke to a client about literally two weeks ago and I was saying like, even though we're coming into a season where things are definitely more social, like it's actually, and, and it's this is rich coming from me for someone that struggled with this my whole entire life. It's actually okay to make a decision based on what you want to do rather than actually what's going to be best for your friends and stuff like that. So if you're sitting there and you've got these spontaneous events and you truly really want to do them, then do it and just think about like what in that moment, like especially if you're trying to lose weight for this specific person, like if this is a main priority for you, you've got like a time constraint goal and it's something you want to do and you know by doing this, it's not only going to affect your calories for that day, it affects your productivity for the next day. It, you know when you typically go out and eat, the next day your cravings are so, so high for the next 48 hours. Like if you are that kind of person, then maybe that's not the best best, best decision for you to go and um, smash a load of calories or drink a load of booze, whatever it is. Just like have that honest conversation with yourself when you're making decisions. Think about what is the priority for you. And I guarantee you it makes making your decisions far easier. Yeah. And this is what I say. It's like there's going to be so many <clears throat> other opportunities, right? There's so many other opportunities to drink, to go out, to party. So it's like like if you don't always have to say this kind of is a little bit separate to it. Yeah. But you don't always have to say yes. I think that's something that I've had since I was a little kid. FOMO. My mum will tell you I've been the worst kid for like always being worried about missing out. But actually, when you exactly like Hayden said, when you think about it, actually sometimes it is good for you to say no and actually just stand by where your priorities are right now. You know, if you're losing weight, cool. Like if that's going to be a priority for you and you'd rather not go out, then just be honest with your friends and just say it. But if you want to lose weight, yes, but also going out and spending time with friends and making memories is also a priority then go out, let your hair down, chuck the heels on and do what you need to do and ultimately know that you can even, you can do it and still lose weight as well. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Uh, the next question is, um, any tips for tracking my calories when away on vacation? I find that I struggle to find the foods, foods that they have in my fitness pal, which means that I've then got inaccurate calories. Like, any tips around this? I'm going to sneeze. Yeah. I mean, personally, you always... Don't track. Like I always say to my clients, right? When they say they're going to go away, I'm like, awesome. You're not going to use my fitness pal forever and you're going to need to understand about portion sizes, hunger cues and making habitual choices that are those of a health-seeking individual. And this going on holiday is a prime example of it. It's like you're going on holiday. Cool. This is an opportunity for you to not track, you to focus on making higher protein choices, 
okay? Focusing on eating and listening to your hunger cues, eating slowly, practicing mindful eating, being present, listening to see if actually do you need to eat this whole pizza or do you actually eat three quarters because you're like, I'm full up. You know, making these kind of decisions around food, bringing about this food awareness, this is massive in regards to when you go away. And I think this is where people are like, oh my God, I'm panicking because I can't track. And it's like, you're not going to track forever anyway. So it's a great opportunity for you to practice not tracking and making decisions around food that you should have been learning with yourself or your coach, or if you're not working with anyone, you should have been kind of maybe thinking about in regards to obviously understanding that there's more to it than tracking calories you know making a protein choice making sure you've always got at every meal some fruit and some fruit and or veggies at some point right making sure that you're mindful you're eating slowly you're listening to yourself you're making an awareness in regards to eating and how it's is it a physical hunger is it psychological hunger these kind of things that we teach our clients are the things that i always say when they go away these are what you want to practice because these are the long-term habitual Things that are going to keep the weight off long term and going on holiday and things like that is a perfect time to practice it. Some people do like to track their calories, but you're never going to be accurate. So even if you are someone that does want to track them and you just find that it's something you want to do, cool, not a problem. That's all be all for you. But just remember, you're not going to be able to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's just about being accountable. So if you do want to track your calories, just understand that you're going to do the best you can, but it's not going to be perfect because you're going to have to guesstimate how low. But also think, is this going to cause you more stress than anything? And it might be worth you not tracking and actually just using some habitual techniques, focusing on protein, like I said, and those kind of things. Yeah, it's definitely about knowing you as an individual and like what what works mm. what works best for you. So something that I uh, have found out like kind of over the last few years is like habits for me are so, so important. Like I have to maintain my daily habits, my daily rituals that I do that make me feel good, that make me feel like a sense a sense of success slash achieving. Yeah. Now, I might not always do them to, op- to the optimal standard of what I want to do. Example, let's say I'm going on holiday. I used to, like, I used to be that kind of all or nothing person where I'm like, I'm on holiday, like I shouldn't exercise. But um, I'm looking at the extremes there. I'm kind of in that like binary thought process of like, I'm putting everything in buckets for my life. When actually that I realized it's not necessarily about like trying to burn fat or anything like that when I'm on holiday in a way. I exercise because it get, makes me feel good about myself. It gives me that like endorphin release. Like I, I, I feel good from exercising. I never finish a session. Yes, it might be tough, but I'm like, oh, that was awful. Like I always feel great from doing it. So for me, I recognized when going away on holiday, like I just need to do some sort of movement that makes me feel good. So even if that's literally just a 10 minute circuit in a hotel room, if that's literally going swimming for 20 minutes in the morning when I'd normally do my, my workouts, but keeping to the routine of doing something rather than nothing for me is so, so important. Now, relating this to like going away and tracking on holiday, exactly like Ryan said, if you feel like you're someone that needs to have like a a level of accountability and you feel like tracking keeps you on track that's cool that's absolutely fine but just as ryan said perfectly you understand it's not going to be the perfect thing but what that might do for you is say for example you go out for breakfast lunch and dinner so let's say you have like a full english or something for breakfast just put those individual items that you would have in your my fitness power obviously you don't know exactly how it was cooked you don't know how what what type of bread it was you don't know the exact calorie portion but for some people actually still tracking those kind of things like if you're going to let's say have a lasagna or some very random lunch but let's say you had a lasagna at lunch um and you just put in an exact just an example of lasagna 
for some people that might work well for you because even though the calories are going to be inaccurate, still seeing a number is stopping you from almost being like, well, I'm not tracking, so it doesn't matter what I eat. Yeah. So by you having some sort of... yeah, by having some sort of tracking mechanism, you've got that accountability rather than that you're kind of having that on-off plan being like, well, I'm not tracking now, so I can eat everything and anything inside. But exactly like Ryan said, like uh, we are definitely advocates of not tracking. Like you don't want to be in a position where you're you're tracking 24-7. Um, but it, it depends your personality and which way you want to look at it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, <laughs> okay, so the next one is... What is the cause for sweet cravings after dinner, even though I don't feel like I'm actually that hungry? Just have it. Just have, yeah, I was just going to say, it's literally habit. Yeah, it's literally habit. It's like, I have it. My habit is that I have to have something sweet, hence why I always have some sort of like ice cream or mini chocolate bar or something that is always, you know, when I'm doing it, it's always like 200 calories and this is what I have of a variety of different ones and each week I choose something different. Most people that listen to this podcast or follow me online, you will know that, that like I have that and I've just been so habitually used to having dessert because I've had dessert every single day since I was a child. You have dessert at school, I had dessert at home, I have dessert at uni. Wherever it was, I always have it. Obviously now what I do, the difference is, is that I make sure that it's a calorie control choice, right? I'm not tanking back a 1400, 1600 calorie tub of Ben and Jerry's as much as I'd like to every day. I'm therefore then having something that's a little bit more calorie controlled. So there is no secret behind it. It is just the habit. You've got to kind of break the habit. But again, there's an argument of like break the habit, which is how you can kind of look at understanding that maybe you can increase your protein, fiber intake to help require fullness. But yours is just a craving for something. So can you just replace it? Could you replace it with a bowl of fruit? Could you replace it, like I said, with a instead of like tanking a whole 500 calorie bar of chocolate, do you buy some some lower calorie, 150 calorie ice cream things? Do you know what I mean? And it then puts you in control. There's nothing necessarily wrong with having a sweet something in the evening if you like it. It's just about being accountable and pre-preparing. You know, a lot of our clients, one of the things that they say they're struggling with is sweet, sweet tooth craving in the evenings. One thing I do is I'm like, okay, cool. So what I want you to do the first thing in your day is to put in a sweet treat first thing in your MyFitnessPal at the end of the day for you to have. Because what it does is it then allows you to know that you've got it coming. And you want to know the interesting thing that comes back from that? Sometimes they don't even have it because they didn't even want it. And it shows that it was just the habit and just the naughtiness behind it. Whereas actually, when they actually just pre-planned it into their nutrition, when it got to the end of the day, sometimes they haven't even eaten it because they're like, I literally just wanted it for the sake of having it. So I thought, you know what, actually, I, I don't actually need to eat it. It, 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 it's, it, was the, it was the hype and the build-up of the excitement of it being something they know they shouldn't have. We're like kids. If you can't have something, you're not allowed it, you want it. It's the moment you're allowed to have it and you plan it into your day, I guarantee your mindset around it would be a lot different. If you're like, right, every day I'm allowed a bag of buttons or something, I guarantee that the want and the excitement behind having it would reduce because it's now just like, oh, I can have it every day and it therefore then just loses its... Uh, ability to give you that kind of like dopamine hit cool 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 good answer um i guess this is kind of probably more for me this one because um basically you've obviously sent them the pcos training and then that was me that like that recorded the pcos training uh, but it says, on the PCOS training, you spoke about taking L-carnitine for PCOS um, and you saying that it have potential 
um, weight loss benefits. Could you please explain this more? So basically, yes, annoyingly it does. Um, it has shown over a 12-week study that it may be beneficial and may, may help reduce the waist-to-hip ratio. But this is one of the things where I think people see this, they see like there's a supplement that could pot potentially be beneficial to their health and they want to run with that and anything else. So they're like, if I take this supplement, Hayden has said that it's going to help me lose weight. So no matter what I do, if I take this supplement, I'm going to lose weight. But if you are not doing the core fundamentals first, like making sure you are creating a calorie deficit, it doesn't matter what supplement you take, it will not work. Doing. So yeah. and I think what I've... Yeah, what I've said in the training is basically like, obviously the first thing, especially for women with PCOS, like maybe potentially having that metabolic adaptation, like you've got to find what your calorie needs are first. And little plug here, if you don't know and you're listening to this um, and you are struggling with losing weight and you have PCOS, um, reach out to Ryan saying PCOS, I heard Hayden mention it on your podcast and we can potentially help you out with that. But if you are not creating that negative energy balance, it doesn't matter about that L-carnitine. It will have no effect. But yes, making sure, assuming that you are in a calorie deficit, your lifestyle behaviours are aligning with your goal, it may be beneficial. But again, like you can't take it for like two weeks and be like, this doesn't work. Like this was a study conducted. I think it was, I can't remember the exact, uh, the exact length, but it was minimum of 12 weeks. So it would have been like 12, 16 weeks. So you can't just take it for like a month and be like, oh, this isn't working. So, yeah. <laughs> As most people do. Yeah. Um, cool. So we have two more questions. Well, we actually have a couple more, but we've only got time for two more. Uh, what is the benefits? Why does everyone talk about consuming protein when it comes to fat loss? What are the benefits of protein for fat loss? <sighs> Let me get started. So the benefits of protein are in abundance. Uh, the main thing is obviously appetite. Um, one thing that you struggle with, obviously, when you're in a deficit, it is controlled starvation. You're giving body less energy than it needs. Therefore, you get hungry, right? It's a normal hormonal response. Keeping protein high helps with that. It helps keep you satiated for longer. Reason being is protein is harder to digest. Therefore, it takes longer to digest. It stays longer in your system and therefore it then helps keep you fuller um which is which is one of the main parts you know and especially when it comes to not only obviously um you know when you're on a dieting thing especially with people like pcos it has a multitude of different benefits but hunger is one of the main ones i don't know if hayden you wanted to give another one kind of take it in turns uh sorry i was reading the next question and okay i can you... get uh, um, okay, so protein for satiation. Not only that, it's obviously like muscle retention. So obviously we're just saying satiation. Everyone should be taking protein because also obviously yep. satiated, especially women with PCOS, they have lower hormones that keep them satiated basically. So this is going to help. The second thing is muscle retention. It's going to help you maintain muscle mass. We are always at risk of losing muscle mass when it comes to dieting. Again, you're not talking 100, 100 pounds of muscle suddenly going to fall off your body, but there are going to be some muscle wasted if we don't keep protein high. And this especially works for people that are having, that are that have PCOS that are in the menopause, etc. as well. 
And the highest thermic effect of feeding. Yes, that's the one. I was literally went blank, you go. So, yeah, so basically this scientific term of uh, the highest thermic effect of feeding basically just means you actually burn more calories through the digestion of protein than any other macronutrient out there. So the easiest way to give you an example of this is let's say you've got a 100-calorie chicken breast, which is obviously the protein, and then you have a 100-calorie chocolate brownie. Now, of course, everyone wants to eat the chocolate brownie, but you may actually burn, let's say, up to 40 calories of the 100-calorie chicken breast. So net, net calories left actually that you have consumed is 60 calories because you've obviously burnt 40 through the digestion of the 100 calorie chicken breast. Whereas with the chocolate brownie, which is a mixture of carbohydrate and fat and isn't a protein item, you may only burn five calories through the digestion process of the chocolate brownie. So the net calories at the end is actually 95 calories that you've consumed. So even though, yes, this is where this is where a calorie isn't a calorie, because yes, you may have both consumed 100 calorie chicken breast and 100 calorie chocolate brownie, you've actually only consumed 60 calories in total of the chicken breast, and with the chocolate brownie, you've consumed 95%. Uh, 95 you've consumed 95 calories so the actual oh. net calories are lower in the chicken breast than in the chocolate brownie so this is when you hear these gurus saying um if it fits your macros flexible dieting all of this stuff like a calorie is a calorie this is where a calorie isn't necessarily a calorie so this is one of the benefits again to consuming protein because you actually burn more calories through digesting protein than any other macronutrient out there Cool. Final question before we wrap this up is how can I become more of a doer? So I really struggle with motivation. So, I mean, typically, the, yeah, typically the only answer that I'm going to give you with like motivation, and this is my, this is my kind of outlook on this. Um, I'm going to question and say like these things that you're deeming becoming a doer, you don't actually really want to do and you don't enjoy doing. Hence why you fight, you struggle to find the motivation to do them because you don't actually like it. It isn't a part of you. It isn't part of your lifestyle. It's, it's not a personal preference of yours. So it's like if someone all of a sudden said to me, Hayden, you've got to go and become an accountant. I would not be motivated to get up every single day to go and be an accountant and do the job like it would suck the only reason why i'd be doing it is because of the money that comes through with it so people do this with their diets and people do this with their exercise plan because you've been told somewhere and you think that you have to do hit or you have to do something like that or you know in order to lose body fat you can't eat carbohydrates you then do these things but how demotivating is it to eat to not eat carbohydrates when you're trying to lose weight if you truly love it if it's a part of your life and your culture well it's going to suck whereas if you can actually understand the principle of fat loss which is creating a negative energy balance regardless of the food you eat regardless of the amount of exercise you do then you can now actually just start to do things that you enjoy doing which makes it far more motivating so let's say you're talking about becoming a doer as going to the gym well let's actually reverse that and say what do you what do you actually like doing? Do you like swimming? Do you like playing badminton? Do you like going on long walks? Do you like walking up a mountain, going on a hike? Whatever it may be, let's actually find something that you enjoy doing because now we've actually plugged this into your life. Well, you don't need to rely on motivation to go and do it because you actually love doing it. This is one of the benefits with me and playing football. Like I really, really enjoy playing football. I mean, a match is 90 minutes long and you're pretty much doing like this... Um, 
a form of like fartlet training, aren't you? With like doing small sprints, like um, doing small jogs. Like I'm burning a ton of calories playing football, but I never, ever, ever look at playing a football match as a means of losing body fat or burning calories. It's just something that I burn a ton of ta- calories doing because I truly love it. And it's I don't have to rely on motivation to go and turn up. So it's the same with your nutrition as well. Like if you're trying to become more of a doer of your nutrition and be like, right, I must follow this set meal plan. I must batch cook all of my meals. Well, you don't need to do that. So start doing things that align with you and your life more. And I guarantee you, like you're not going to suffer with motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. Um, cool. Well, that's the questions for today. Um, sorry for those that we missed out on a couple of them. I'm sure we'll be doing another Q&A podcast very soon, so we'll make sure that we'll get those in. Ryan, any closing words? Um, yeah. Any inspiration? The only way that you cannot be successful in your weight loss journey is if you quit. Mike, as long as you drop. don't quit, you will always be successful. Mike, the drop, say. drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, team. All that. We'll see you in the next episode. Always a pleasure. Never at all. Remember, just don't quit. Peace out. See ya.